Welcome to ContenderCast, a global leadership and consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now, here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. It's Justin Hahnemann on the ContenderCast. We're shining a light on bright ideas today, guys. It's full stop. You're going to be starving for cheesecake after today's podcast. And I'm not talking about just any cheesecake. I've actually sampled this amazing... I had the caramel flavor. And I mean, unbelievable. Like I've had a lot of desserts. I'm not a really dessert guy. But when I got this, I indulged in more than one piece at the same time. Although nobody knows that now I've shared it. Um, But you guys are going to hear all about this amazing company, Cotton Blues uh, Cheesecake. And on the podcast today are the two guys that are in charge of this amazing operation, Chris Ortego and Sean Davis. It's so great to have you guys on the podcast. It's great to be here. Yeah, we're excited. Thank you so much for having us. This is so great to meet you guys. And like, it's I, I love getting product ahead of time, right? And and it's it's kind of a fun thing about hosting the show. And um and so when your PR person said, "Hey, we'll send you like you know cheesecake ahead of time," because you know we're going to be talking about that, and I was like, "Sure." And so I kind of expected it to be. I don't know, like, you know, when you go to the store and you see at Publix or Kroger, like, the, you know, there's these little cheesecakes. And so I thought that was going to come and I got this massive box and like dry ice and it's like four pounds and I didn't know what to do with it. Um, I'd have to tell you guys this really quick before we jump into your story. But like I tried to, I was like, although it's so excited, I said I'm going to eat a piece right away. And it's like, I was frozen still. Like I almost broke it too. So anyway, I had to let it sit out. But um, amazing. It's so fun. I can't wait to learn about you guys. So thanks for being here. Um, let's do this. Let, let's let's talk about you guys, both of your backgrounds. And I think our audience is going to have so much fun meeting you. Share with our audience so how you guys got into the restaurant business in the first place before you even started Cotton Blues. Well, um, we do have a pretty interesting story as far as how him and I started working together. But I've been in the restaurant business my whole life or since I was a young adult. You know, I'm from Louisiana, so you can get into food, religion, or politics it. or like your career choices. <laughs> so I chose I chose food. And uh I had done different things and I was managing a country club here in Hattiesburg, Mississippi for quite some time. And I decided I was gonna open up a restaurant. But a few years before that, my father was in the ER and Sean's mom was taking care of him. My dad's bragging about me being the general manager of this country club, and she's bragging about her son who just graduated from um, culinary school, from pastry school. Oh, uh, pastry very nice. They said, well, they should, they should talk to each other. Maybe they could work together. So Sean calls me and says, hey, do you want a pastry chef at the country club? And I said, I-, I could probably use one, but you need to be able to accomplish this, that, and that. And <laughs> otherwise, I can't justify the, the salary, and I'll just keep buying frozen desserts. <laughs> And then I didn't hear from him again. And I was like, well, I'm not chasing that guy down. Yeah, he's and he gone. never called. He's gone. And two years go by. Two years? Two years have gone by. And I was leaving the country club to open up my own restaurant. And it was the last few days I was at the club. I had already cleared out my office. And I forgot something there. And I went up there and the phone starts ringing. And I hadn't answered the phone in years. I had people to do that for me. And I just never picked up the phone. <laughs> right. It's a Monday. The club's closed. I mean, for some reason, I have no idea why, still to this day. Like, well, let me grab the phone. It's ringing on. Let me see what it is. And it was Sean. He says, hey, do you remember me? You know, I called and asked if 
if you had a job for <laughs> right. me. And I was like, yeah, what happened to you? He said, Where well, did you go. <laughs> I, I wasn't confident in myself just getting out of school. So I went to go work for a local baker down the road, but I'm feeling more confident. So I wanted to know if you wanted a pastry chef for the country club. And I said, no, but I, I want one for my restaurant. I was like, why don't we do a tasting interview? And that's how we met. So, you know, I don't really understand how life works or how we're all connected all the time, but that definitely seems like a, uh, the stars align. That's right, amazing. Exactly. <laughs> so Sean, what were the three items you needed to make and why did you not, why did you bail for two years? Honestly, I don't even fully remember the first conversation. <laughs> I just remember being, being very intimidated and like I was fresh out of culinary school. Like I had zero experience and yeah, I just got to a point where I was tired of working at the little bakery down the street, right. and I was literally about to go back to college for something else. And my dad talked me into giving Chris one more call, wow. and so I did. And, and here you are, we interviewed for him, and here we are. <laughs> wow! So the first thing you guys did was open a restaurant before you you got into the whole cheesecake business. Is that correct? Correct. We yeah. had a we had a really successful restaurant here in town for about nine years, and um. COVID didn't take care of it, but COVID definitely paid, um, contributed to our decisions to close it down. There's a lot of factors involved, um, and mostly focusing on the cheesecake company and letting that grow was the biggest factor, but, um, COVID helped make that a little bit easier. Wow. And what is the state of the restaurant business? I mean, from, for, for your community and just, you know, what did that look like coming into COVID through COVID now things opening back up? What, what Just perspective on that before we jump into the cheesecake piece. You know, it's so hard. Everything's regional. I know, for example, like the food distributor in our area was one of the largest or highest performing, um, distributors in the country for their company because our our region didn't shut down like certain regions did or shut down. We definitely shut down for some months and it hurt things and it slowed things down and it reduced your sales. And, you know, a lot of people, I don't think, realize that if you lose 10 or 15% of your sales as a restaurant overnight- Versus right. even COVID. But most people are losing 30 and 40 and 50 or 60 percent of wow. their sales. So there's wow. just no recovering from it. Um, so there's been a lot of support, you know, from the government and more coming. And, and that's been great. And I, I do believe the restaurant industry is saturated. So I don't mean to sound um, without sympathy for people who lost their jobs. But I, I do believe the industry was saturated and there probably did need to be some cleaning out to a sure. certain degree. So maybe that. But, uh, yeah, but, um, but you know, capitalism kind of takes care of itself and it shakes out and hopefully everybody's getting vaccinated and the country is going to start getting back Moving to normal. Again. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I, I hear from what I'm friends in the industry that, they're they're all taken back off pretty quickly um, and rapidly, and you know stimulus money's out there, right. so people have everyone money to. Wants, everyone wants to go out to eat. <laughs> right, right. So, <laughs> so, I, so I, I hope I hope um, it returns strong. But um, as much as as proud as I was of the restaurant and as great as it was, um, there are definitely aspects that I miss. But there's there's a, a big part that I don't miss. Yeah, I totally get it. That's fair. And we could probably do a whole podcast on the restaurant industry. Absolutely. Maybe we'll park that and come back at some point because, you know, I've never really covered that, actually, just the overall industry and the margins and whatnot. But um, let's focus on Cotton Blue. So, Sean, you know, you, you, my guess here is the cheesecake was your creation. Um, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but help me understand where that came from and, and what makes it so amazing. So when I was growing up, my mom was not much of a baker at all. 
um, like okay. it was yellow cake mix, Duncan Hines, you right. know. I mean, that's that yummy. I stuff. love that. But nothing and, like cheesecake. <laughs> right. Um, and for the longest time, I thought jello no bake cheesecake was real cheesecake. Like, I didn't know the difference. And I loved watching Julia Child on PBS after school, one of our three channels, because I lived out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> oh my God. And she was making a cheesecake one day, and I was like, what is this? And I went, and I went to the local library, because we still had dial-up internet, and it was way too slow to do anything on. And I pulled a bunch of different cheesecake recipes and kind of mashed them all together and did a bunch of testing and trials and errors and figured out what I thought cheesecake should taste like. And then that was my cheesecake recipe. Wow. That seems so so simple. This cheesecake company is based off of a recipe that he created in high school. That's crazy. And okay, so it's one thing to have a recipe for, you know, a, a, a dinner item or a breakfast item or a dessert item. But I mean, you guys have created a whole business around this. What makes it so unique? Like, you know, what is it that's made you guys go, hmm, you know what? Forget the restaurant. Let's just go focus on this. Well, um, I have some skills and some business skills and marketing <laughs> skills, but <laughs> great. none of it would happen if it wasn't for how great the cake tastes. I mean, it is, it, it, it's hard to break into grocery stores. It's hard to compete with giant companies. And the only reason we get traction is because people take one bite of it and they're like, that's the best cheesecake I ever had. Yeah, and I, and I start awesome. off all my pitches. I say, I, guys, I know I'm biased, but I sell the best cheesecake in the country. And people laugh every time I say it, and then they get it, and they're like, this is the best cheesecake. I can't tell you how many people we've sent cheesecakes to that say, well, I'm not even that big a fan of cheesecake, but I like yours. Oh, yeah. Especially with the sea salt part. It's just like, it is. amazing. And Sean can tell you, there's one specific reason why ours is better than most that you, that you taste in the commercial market. It's actually a custard, not a cake. There's not a stabilizer or a binding agent in the actual filling. Um, it's just seven simple ingredients, no cornstarch, no flour, you know, the things that make it taste pasty and stay on your tongue for a little bit too long on other cheesecakes don't exist in ours. Wow. I, I challenge anybody to go to a grocery store and pick up uh, a cheesecake that was, uh, we, we mass produce cheesecakes now, so I don't know what the right term is, <laughs> right. but, but pick up a cheesecake a and, and look at, yeah, look at the ingredients and look right. how many long words and how many things are on there. And then look at our ingredients. It's wow. seven simple ingredients. And like he said, it's, it's a technique and it's bound by whole eggs only. And it, and wow. it just, it makes it that much different. That's and so awesome. You know, at the restaurant, we had been open for a few months and Sean had made some great desserts. And he said, you know, I have a really good cheesecake recipe. I kept that a secret. Yeah, and, Seriously? Oh, my God. And, yeah. He's like, I have a cheesecake recipe. We'll and and he says, that. We'll try it should we night. try it? And I was like, <laughs> and he actually told me a story. I thought, I really thought he was full of it. Like, he said, he said, my, uh, my culinary teacher, she, she said she wasn't going to um, graduate me unless she told, unless I told her my cheesecake recipe. And I was like, all right, he's just kind of yeah, bragging. You know, he's just, he's kind of talking says. about this. Yeah. And um, and we put the cheesecake on the menu that night and it never came off. And it was really quickly into it that I realized I was watching. I, I would sit at the bar and and kind of watch the restaurant from the corner of the bar and not in the office. And I couldn't. And all, all our to-go orders would be picked up from the bar. And so many people were just walking in just going, give me a slice of cheesecake. Give me a slice of cheesecake. Wow. Like nothing. And we had a lot of good food. 
And we were charging $8 for a slice of cheesecake. So it wasn't like it was inexpensive. That's <laughs> some, some good and margin. It, right. And it, it did not matter what walk of life or what you know financial bracket they were in. People were just coming in to buy the cheesecake. And that's when I said, or, I mean, my vision all along was to open up a bunch of restaurants. Then I started thinking, I was like, we need to get this into more mouths. And I can't do it from this one building in Hattiesburg. So right. that's, well, that's, that's what that started the, the, the slow journey um, to where we are right now. So interesting. So it's one thing to make uh, cheesecake for a couple of people or uh, even a larger group of people at a restaurant. It's another to put it into grocery stores and into mass distribution. How did you guys figure that out? Um, like everything else, you just pretend like, <laughs> pretend like you know what you're doing and, 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 and make mistakes and then, and figure it out. You know, I mean, it's, that's what something it I've require, never, though? like, what did you right. have to, yeah, what's behind it? And, and that's a, the, the differences between Sean and I's personality. I don't think Sean would have ever thought he could make a thousand cheesecakes right. a day <laughs> and, and turn it into a business. And there is lack my confidence wherever it comes from usually is probably ignorance is where it comes from, but I'm like, Oh, of course we can do that. Sure. And why not? So, yeah, so we just, we, we run at it and we, and we would look, we both research and we go to, went to international baking shows and learned about equipment. And, and I start, I usually just go to people that are successful. So I find other cheesecake companies and figure out where they get their equipment from and what they do. And I ask lots and lots of questions to anybody I can get hold of. And we had some guys that had some sausage companies that were local around here or had, you know, different uh, grocery store based companies. So I'd, ask them to lunch and I would get them to teach me as much as they can. And I've had a lot of support from the local grocery store owners in the area here. And one of them turned out to be one of my investors. And oh, wow. Very so I, I, you know, so that's really, look, you just, if you need to figure something out, find somebody who's done it before and ask them. Totally. Know? So well, everything's I mean, a learning opportunity. Right. I, I can <laughs> imagine. Um, and what great advice for others that are listening. Uh, but you guys have gone beyond this. It's not just on the website and, you know, to the local you know, Hattiesburg grocery store. I mean, now you've got a program coming with Kroger. Um, I mean, and you're in broader distribution. Like, how has that evolved? And what has that done to change, you know, how you how you guys manage the, the overall company? Well, you know, it is not easy to break into warehouses. And um, Kroger has been great for us. Um, we're in a big chain down in New Orleans called Rouse's. Oh, and yeah. So, you know... All over Mississippi, Louisiana, Tennessee market is growing. Oklahoma market is growing. And like I said before, it's because we have a good product. So I can walk into people's offices and give them a cheesecake. And I, that's how I get my foot in the door. And I don't, you know, you only know what you know, because I talk to food brokers now to help me expand and, and help me keep my hands around everything. And I've had numerous conversations where the people say, well, how did you get into those stores if you didn't use a broker? Who, <laughs> right. Who's your who's your salesperson? Right. And I'm like, well, I'm our I'm salesperson. salesperson. <laughs> and they're like, well, I don't understand. How did you get in? And, Here, and take this four pound box. That's yeah. all you need to know. <laughs> well, and you know, and it's, it's simple things, too. Like one thing I learned is you act really sweet and really nice and offer to send a cheesecake to the lady who's answering the phone <laughs> at these warehouses because otherwise they're the gatekeepers and they're right. not going to get you in front of the buyer who buys the cheesecake. Oh, so, wow. but if you, Smart if you're very move. kind and you hint towards like, Hey, I want to send you guys, particularly you a cheesecake, but I need to find out who the buyer is. And they go, Oh, you're going to send me a cheesecake. Oh, well, let me give you the buyer's <laughs> direct line and his email address. And then you get them on the phone. They're kind of like, well, how did you get hold of me? And then you're like, just give me a shot, you know? And that's really how we 
we've done it. The, the Rouse's chain, what happened, um, I was getting ignored by Rouse's, constantly getting ignored. And I watched the movie The Founder with uh, right. Michael Keaton about McDonald's. And he just right. talked about persistence, 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 weighs out over intelligence and, and everything else. And after being ignored for Rouse's for a long time and pretty much giving up, I was like, you know what? This is silly. So I took four cheesecakes, so 16 pounds of cheesecake. And I walked into their Thibodeau office and I sat down and I just sat with them on my lap until a guy comes out from the back. And he's like, who are you and why are you here? <laughs> and I was like, well, I really want a shot. So he's like, all right, fine. And they brought the cheesecakes to the back and they sat me down with somebody who still brushed me off. But the owner, Donnie Rouse, walked by and opened up a box and stuck his finger in the cheesecake. He's like, oh, I want these in all my stores. What? No so, way. Right. Oh that was our gosh. first big. Yeah, that was our first big break. What so did the that's person when it comes, say that was like blowing you off? Oh, he was in. And, in, you know, and that's learning the business. He's in frozen food sections. And quite honestly, <laughs> you know, if we get into the technical side of things, every grocery store is broken up into, you know, produce, right. meats, frozen. Absolutely. Frozen food is is very middle of the store is very occupied. So it is the big chains get paid by DiGiorno or, right. you know, which right, is probably Nestle. Shelf space. Right. They, yep. they pay for that shelf space just so if they put my cheesecake next to them, they go, what are you doing? Remove that. I, I paid for that space. Right. Of course. So it, it didn't take me long to figure that out. So that's why we've taken the deli um, bakery side approach to things. And most grocery Smart. stores, right, they've, they've upgraded their facilities over the last 10 or 15 years. And almost every new grocery store now has a frozen food section in the bakery department at a little, a few frozen doors. And that has got some ice cream cakes and a lot of in-house stuff, but it's not just occupied by Haagen-Dazs right. and Ben too. and Jerry's. Right. So, so it's, this is a window. It's just probably not going to be here very long. Um, eventually those big companies are, are going to want to eat it up. Cause if, if you know anything about the grocery store business, it's controlled by like five companies control all of our food, you know, right. Kellogg's, Coke, yep. Nestle, Kraft, you know, <laughs> everything we eat is controlled by five or six companies. And if you can take a little bit of their shelf space, they don't, they don't like it. Right. It's not easy. Hey, they so. pay a lot of money for that. Right. In the end cap. Um, you know, and maybe that will happen to us one day <laughs> right. as well too. So That's awesome. Um, very, very cool. Um, one of the things you guys talked about before we hit record was just that, you know, as I'll, I'll say co-founders, right. And, and yes. leaders of different spaces in the business, you guys have different strengths. And I always love to ask, um, guests on when they when they have the situation like what how did you guys divide up the work or was it natural that one of you covered you know the ops and business side of things and one of you is more the creative side like what does that look like for you guys oh i just make sean do all the work <laughs> <laughs> i do a lot of paperwork <laughs> oh, really <laughs> yeah no i mean sean is the organized one he's a thorough one he's the one that can proof i mean if if i write an email and don't get a proofread uh, it'll be atrocious. I mean, I, I have my dyslexic brain brings a lot of innate marketing skills and business skills, and I can make quick decisions and think fast on my feet and talk fast. And outside of that, I don't have a lot of other skills. I mean, so Sean brings all the other ones. I and mean, we joke all the time that if he would look good in a pencil skirt, he'd make a great secretary, but he doesn't. And, but I mean, he oh does gosh. not that all, we've tested that. Right. Theory. But no, so he, I mean, he literally keeps everything organized, everything together. I mean, I'm constantly like, do you have that email? Remember that email that was sent to us? I mean, he's always chasing something down for me and we've have, a. uh, 
young lady, Latwana, who has been with us since day one at the restaurant, and she runs the production side of the cheesecake. So Sean's there side by side with her and supports her. But as far as producing the cheesecakes, we've had the same person producing it since day one. And she started off as a prep cook for us, but now has a good salary and benefits and runs a team of 10 or 12 people and produces a bunch of cheesecakes a day. Wow. And and so she's in a, and she's just a wonderful, awesome worker who has, you know, a lot of mouths to feed at home, but is a great mom. And, 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 and it's been a success story for her. And that's really something that's really important to both Sean and I is trying to take care of our staff and our people sure. the best we can. I love that. One of the challenges with your product is it's got to be refrigerated, obviously. Um, did you guys have issues figuring that out in terms of distribution and shipping or what did that look like? Well, Sean could speak about the freezing of the cheesecake. There's a, go ahead, Sean, explain to him. So when it comes out of the oven, after it's baked, it goes directly into a freezer. That's how we've always done it. It makes it freeze and set much faster and much it preserves a lot more air than if we were to just put it in the refrigerator so selling the product frozen and transporting it frozen is actually part of the recipe and not a compromise like every cheesecake we've ever sold through the restaurant or before we were at the restaurant i was just at home had been frozen before it was served so freezing it is one of the main secrets of the recipe um, so it's not, it's not a compromise to the recipe, but to speak about what you were talking about, it, logistically it's tough. I mean, sure. keeping we have a walk-in freezer that is, you know, 60 feet long and that's just one of them. That's just the, the storage facility and, and, uh, you know, it's sub zero and it's a massive walk-in and the cost of that. And it, there's definitely challenges, but, you know, there's a lot of technologies out there, sensors Absolutely. to make sure it stays frozen. Absolutely. And trucking companies get better, but no, it is, it, it, I listen to a lot of podcasts as well and people who have had successful food products and cookie companies and this, and I've, I haven't listened to anybody who hasn't had a much simpler product than what we've had. Like, right. oh, we had a cookie company right. and we did this and we did that and then we co-packed it or we did this and it's it was shelf-stable and everybody's shelf-stable. And, right. and, and so, so it definitely, nice. and that's what makes this hard too because when you go to talk to grocery stores and buyers, I don't care if you're Kroger, H-E-B, Safeway, Walmart, the first words out of their mouth is freezer space is tight. Of course. I mean, everybody's freezer space is tight. So it does offer challenges um, to break in because they only have so much freezer space. That's right. Um, So it does. But then, you know, uh, every day I tell myself if it was easy, everybody would do (laughs) it. So get get over it and figure it out. No question. Yeah. For those listening that maybe aren't in the consumer goods space. Yeah. The distribution of refrigerated product or frozen product is it requires, you know, the right trucks, for example to take that product and not every truck is like that in fact most are not and so that provides challenges or makes challenges when you're distributing frozen or refrigerated product um so i, I always love to ask our guests this like what would be two or three of the biggest lessons learned you guys have experienced over your time uh, building this brand you guys are still early on you've got a lot of road uh, in front of you but you know if you were to share some lessons learned with our audience what would that look like I'm going to say make friends with your repairman. Oh, interesting. <laughs> I mean, I think that might be a first. Uh, unpack that Everything's going to break at least once. <laughs> <laughs> like, for example, for a couple example. weeks ago, our big storage freezer just stopped working. Like, it 
got warm and I called our repair guy who is always amazing at figuring everything out, even if it's something he hasn't worked on before. And he didn't answer. So I texted him 911. And as soon as my text went through, he called me. He said, I'm on my way. It's the big freezer, isn't it? And I was like, yes, yes, it is. Let's make this work. You know, so it always helps to befriend your maintenance people. <laughs> That's a good one. All right. <laughs> He's not wrong, particularly when you talk about frozen products. I mean, right. you know, uh, one walk and going out can cost you $50,000 in inventory. Oh, my and, gosh. Um, so, yep. I can't imagine. I mean, if I had to say to to anybody trying to start a new business, I mean, it's it's a mountain and and you got to climb it and it's not going to happen as fast as you want. Every, unfortunately, every business endeavor I had, um, I turn out and I say, oh, we'll we'll turn profit by X amount of date. And I've never been right about that. Um, and you you got to prepare for the long haul and. You know, with anything in the service industry, so food service, I, I would think almost in any industry period, that you can't compromise your standards. You can't cut your way into profit. You know, you have to set a standard and meet that standard every time and grow your revenues in order to to be successful. If you're trying to get there by cutting yourself um, there and, and cutting corners, you might be successful for a short period of time, but you won't be able to sustain it. Um so you need to have enough capital, enough cash to not compromise your standards and keep it going. And and it's disheartening. I mean, I could tell you I was probably disheartened less than a week ago about something. And then you get upset, you get take a couple of you get some setbacks and then something good happens the next day. And then you start getting charged up again. And it's just I, I don't believe that with entrepreneurship, I don't believe that businesses often fail. I believe that the leaders give up oh. more than anything. Wow. And um, you just can't give up. And sometimes it's giving up, meaning how much more capital you're going to put into it. But um, but I think it's just the fortitude to keep going and keep pushing and not to say this is too hard and I'm not going to make it or this is too big a risk or I'm getting too deep into it. And and if you can push through that and, and get to the other side, um, I think it's the lesson that I've learned and, and unfortunately still in the middle of learning it. Wow. That's awesome advice from both of you. Gosh. Um, and you know, I asked that on, uh, it's almost 300 episodes now. And, um, I think a lot of that's unique, which I love. That's what, that's what's so fun about doing this show. Um, share with our audience where they can find you, how they can buy the product and, and connect with you, et cetera. Well, if you go to our website, we have an interactive map. So it maps out every grocery store that we're in. And, um, you know, hopefully soon we, we've entered in U.S. Foods as a, a obviously restaurant distributor. And um, we've put our cheesecakes in one of their warehouses. So there might be one day where you're eating at a restaurant and you eat a cheesecake off right. of their menu. How and cool you might not even realize it's ours. Um, because I, do, I know I've tried all the cheesecakes that these large food conglomerates sell and i i believe ours is better and so and and customers are starting oh, cool. to learn that and so we're starting to put them into some casinos and some other restaurants um and i won't ever say you know oh you have to put we're not 
a big no, we're not like Angus black Angus steaks where you have to put it on the menu, you know. So so I mean, it would just, be cool though, right? Tom well, you know, steak, you know, hey, buy the cheesecake, take credit for it, let your restaurant exactly you know, take take credit for it, and, and as long as you're buying it from us, we're not in this for the the notoriety. We're in it to turn a profit. So so, um, but we are in probably about 250 grocery stores, and you can see it on our website and um, and growing yeah. Cottonblues.com. And then Gold Belly. Gold, Gold Belly, Belly that's right. is fantastic for us. And we ship cheesecakes all over the country. So there's not a, anybody who can't get one of our cheesecakes. And if, you, if you've ever tried our cheesecake, Gold Belly, someone shared it to you and we're not in your grocery store, you know, drop us an email or, or, or go tell your grocery store, hey, we want you to carry Cotton Blues cheesecakes. Call these guys, you know. Chris right. at cottonblues.com. I mean, just send me an I email and, and we'll we'll figure out a way to 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 try to convince your grocery store to carry it. So I love it. You got Kroger and I need Publix for Atlanta. Yeah, maybe. well, we're working on them as well, too. <laughs> I mean, those 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 are the the two big boys in this um industry, and and it would be great. Costco. I mean, there's, oh, there's, Costco. That's an uh, well, that would be interesting. And that's what to, we really feel. We feel like our cheesecake, or we sell a single slice now right, we're just starting that. that but our four pound cheesecake with the box and the packaging that you described is definitely different than what you see in most grocery stores most right. grocery stores have a clear dome plastic cheesecake and it or plastic covered cheesecake so if you walked into somebody's house for uh, a dinner party you wouldn't feel really proud to to walk in with a thin right you know cheesecake like that no. but if you walked in with our box hefty i mean it's like right. major right so we look at this as it's a gift i mean I, we sell tons for christmas gifts and I'm corporate sure. gifts and and um we want people so if you go into a, a costco that has a lot to do with uh dinner parties and bringing something there and party trays and that's what we kind of see our niche in our market is a cheesecake that you're proud to to give us a gift and um so. That's awesome. Love it. Well, guys, it's been so great having you on the podcast. I uh, can't wait to see where this brand goes. I have more pieces to eat in the one you sent me. I'm excited about that. Um, and look forward to staying in touch. Have you back on. Thank you so much. We really appreciate you having Thank us. Thank you. The Contender Cast is sponsored by Henderson Shapiro Peck and powered by Contender Brands. You can download additional ContenderCast episodes directly via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartMedia, YouTube, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the ContenderCast, connect with us at ContenderCast.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender.